Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but it has arrived. It it is here. This is insane. It has arrived. I... I, I don't even know how to process this. I'm very scared to look. But if you are willing, we're going to look together to see what has arrived. What did they send me? It's already here. I, I'm having a hard time believing this. But we're, we're going to check the timestamps. We're going to check everything. We're going to try to... I, I don't even know if we have the whole timeline perfectly laid out, but it's going to be interesting. But ladies and gentlemen, let me give you a proper introduction. It is Tuesday, August the 15th, 2023. It is currently 12.08 p.m. Central Time. And you know where I'm coming to you live from, the Theology Central Studio, located right here in Abilene, Texas. And even though I am in Abilene, Texas, which... Many would call the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's not like where my church is located, but it's, it's, it's middle of nowhere adjacent, right? It's adjacent to the middle of nowhere. It's not quite the middle of nowhere, but it's close enough. Even from this remote location in the middle of the desert of West Texas, I, me, a nobody can have a team of crack sermon researchers put together a sermon and send it to me within a matter of hours. Now, if you've been following the story, if you've been following this drama, we came across, or in fact, it was emailed to me, something about a sermon research assistant that I could have my own team of sermon researchers and they would put together a sermon package. They would do the research for me. They would give me a manuscript. They would do it all for me and it would only cost me $19 a month if I pay it monthly or a total of around $15 a month if I pay it annually, which is like $179 a year. For $179 a year, me, a a nobody in the middle of no Nowhere could have my own sermon research team, and they would put it all together for me. Now, this 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 organization offered me a free sermon that I could I could so I I submitted my request that hey Jeremiah twenty two Jer- Jeremiah chapter twenty two. We're doing the a study of the book of Jeremiah. Didn't give them very much information, and they say it takes one to two days. Ladies and gentlemen, they have already sent me the completed sermon package back. You're talking within, what, two hours? Maybe three hours most? Definitely no more than three hours. Less than three hours. I can almost be dogmatic. Within three hours, I signed up for an account, submitted that I need a sermon on Jeremiah 22, and three hours later, while I'm doing other things, broadcasting live on the air, dealing with Alex Jones and eschatology, they've already sent it back. Now, that scares me to death. They're, how did they already send it back? I don't know. But remember, here, here's here's the name of the organization. Sermon Spark. Please look at it for yourself. Go to Spark. 
spark.sermoncentral.com, spark.sermoncentral.com. I still think you need to sign up. I'm telling you, you need to sign up and find out what your pastor's preaching on Sunday. You ask for a sermon on the very specific thing and see how it compares to what your sermon uh, what your pastor preaches. I'm telling you, please, I want to know the results of this. We need to get everyone involved in this. All right. But here's, here, remember, I'm just going to remind you how they, how they advertise this. All right. Here we go. We make sermon prep easier. Origi- original research in one to two days. How about original research in less than three hours? Fresh ideas, quotes and stories, matching PowerPoints and media. Um, here's how it works. You tell us what you want to preach. We craft a unique sermon package. You customize it and make it your own. All right. Now, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to go to my email at 1142 a.m. At 1142 a.m. Here is what I, here's what I received. All right. Your spark is ready. Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah 22. Your sermon spark for Jeremiah 22 is ready. Download now. Please don't hesitate to let me know if you have any questions or need anything else. Have a great day. They give their name. P.S. The sermon spark was created just for you. As a community of preachers, we make these our own when we personalize the content and adjust language to speak to our own congregation. Ask the Spirit for guidance and prioritize integrity in all our preaching. Thanks for joining us in the journey. So, hey, they got to throw in the, hey, have a little bit of integrity. Have a little bit of integrity. You know, make, make, make it your own. Oh, ask the Spirit. Now, if the Spirit's going to be the one helping me out, then why did I need to pay you? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's so ridiculous. If I can just ask the spirit for guidance and to give me a sermon, why am I paying you 15 or $20 a month for it? That's just ridiculous. Don't throw in a little spiritual, don't throw in some spiritual language to cover it up. Yeah, the spirit responds quickly. Yeah. I mean, come on. If the spirit's the one who guides you, gives you your sermons, then you're not paying for a research assistant. All right. Can, can you just remove that from your theology? Okay, that just feels so, oh, that feels so disingenuous. So it does. Well, here we go. I have not looked yet. I have not looked yet. We're going to download this together. Are you ready for the moment of truth? I need a drum roll. I need a drum roll. I don't have a drum roll. I don't. I have, I have, see, does this work? I have this. Does that work? Does that work? Oh, how about, how about this? I, I, I need a drum roll. I need a drum roll. Okay. All right. But all right. I digress. But are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, the sermon spark is ready. They have given me a sermon on Jeremiah 22. They have given it to me faster than I could come up with one. They've given to this to me so fast that I'm starting thinking, you know what? I'm never studying for another sermon ever again. If this is even remotely good, I, 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 yeah, I, I know I've got a jaded, uh, 
I, I know I, I know I'm a little jaded here, but here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come on. I I don't feel like you're ready. I'm gonna have to make it. You know what? We'll we will cover this on September the first. September the first. We will cover this. So I'm gonna make you wait. Thank you for tuning in. That we're gonna make you wait. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Are you ready? All right. Here. Here we go. I'm pressing download now. Here we go. I don't know what's getting ready to happen. It's probably all, this is probably all a scam and they're getting ready to hack my entire iPad. All right, here, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Download. Boom. Okay. Shows me my sermon spark. Okay. Hang on. It shows me my sermon spark dashboard. Now I've already got, I've already got my free sermon. Now to get more, I have to subscribe. If I want another one, I have to, I'm thinking about subscribing for one month and just trying this to see what happens, to see if I get different levels of success because, because we, we want to be fair to this, right? We don't want to, I'm trying to offer both sides, but here it is. So they got the two sample sermons. They got the little video that's saying, Hey, welcome to Spark. Let's get started here. We're going to show you how to do everything. Okay. I don't, I, you know, I mean, who reads instructions? So I don't need the instructions. But there it is, Jeremiah twenty-two, Jeremiah chapter twenty-two. The the little artwork. It's kind of a purple. It's kind of these different colors: purple, red, blue, pink. It kind of looks. It looks kind of cool. The little background here. I'm going to click on it. Now uh, they break it down. Uh, I can tell them. I can, I can review their work. I can review their work. Oh, okay. So that that's good. All right. Uh, it says Jeremiah twenty two, August the fifteenth, twenty twenty three. Jeremiah twenty two. Theme: the Book of Jeremiah. Right now, I. That's funny. Okay. All right. Uh, it says I've got sermon manuscript. I got so what I got is sermon graphics or social graphics, so I could promote this on social media. I could be like, hey, join us on Sunday as we explore Jeremiah 2022. And they've given me graphics. Now listen, for someone who doesn't want to spend all of my life creating graphics and artwork, having someone do that for me so that I could promote the sermon every week on social media. See that that's the kind of stuff, you know, that would be, that would be very helpful. That would be very helpful if you're, if you're going to promote on social media or wherever, wherever you promote your sermons. All right. They have a, a PowerPoint presentation. All right. So, uh, do I, do I download the PowerPoint? They got a, a PowerPoint PDF. I'm going to click on the PowerPoint P- PDF. All right. Here's what they give me. All right. Jeremiah 2022. It's got this very kind of col- colorful background. It's got these colors, red, purple, blue, pink, right? Okay. Then the next slide is, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Jeremiah 22, verse 3a. So I've got my Bible here. Thus saith the Lord, execute ye judgment and righteousness, deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor, do no wrong, do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. So it looks like they're take, they made that the key verse. Interesting. Now, I'm not shocked that they're going to make law, law, law the key verse, but okay, 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 okay. All right, here we go. Next is a blank slide. Then it has God's warning, God's judgment, God's promise. Those are three different slides. So they've just outlined the whole chapter for me. 
God's warning, God's judgment, God's promise. I, I look, hey, I'm just going to be honest with you. I could probably work with that. I could probably work with that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. I probably could work with this. Then underneath that, they have a quote from Billy Graham. God's mercy and grace, God's mercy and grace give me hope for myself and for our world. Now, that's good because the quote doesn't promote, doesn't point you to law, points you to God's mercy and grace for hope. So actually, that's a gospel-based quote. All right, that, that's, I have to go. so I'm, I'm, I'm not, look, considering they put this together in like no time. All right, okay, here we go. Um, I'm going to go back. Now I'm going to download the sermon manuscript. Here we go. I'm going to download the sermon manuscript. Maybe, maybe. Come on. There we go. All right. Are you ready? This is six pages. They produced for me a six page manuscript in less than three hours. And they've given me graphics. They've given me slides. Like if I wanted to use these slides, if my church had a multimedia presentation, if I had, I, I, I would already be ready to go. All right. Now I don't use any of that. What I use is a Bible, actual books and a pulpit. Okay. That's what I use. But okay. If you were to do this, all right. Maybe we need to, to be able to load our social media, our, 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 our uh, multimedia slides. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready for this, ladies and gentlemen? Are you ready? Here is, here's the sermon that we got. Jeremiah 2022. Or Jeremiah 2022. What am I talking about? Jeremiah chapter 22. All right. What am I, I'm still trying to process this. I'm sorry. My brain is all, I'm just thinking about how did they pull this off? How did they do that so quickly? Okay, but all right. All right. Jeremiah chapter 22. The main idea. This sermon aims to explore the themes of God's righteousness, anger, and merciful hope in Jeremiah 22, emphasizing the importance of trusting in God and living out his principles, even in challenging times. Now, please know what they did, all right? We're going to explore the theme of God's righteous anger and merciful hope in Jeremiah 22, in Jeremiah 22 keep wanting to say the year for some reason. Jeremiah 22. Now, they're all kind of already alluding to that. They're kind of alluding a little bit to that um, outline that, that we saw in the slides, right? Or the, you know, I hate calling them a slide. It's not like a slideshow. In the multimedia presentation, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it sounds like they used AI. It sounds like, I mean, you're right. The description made it sound like they used AI. So it's, it looks like this is exactly what they did. If someone has, if someone wants to use AI on Jeremiah 22 and see what they come up with, they could contrast it with what this came up with and see if it's pretty similar. All right. So here we go. All right. So the main idea, this sermon aims to explore the themes of God's righteous anger and merciful hope in Jeremiah chapter 22 emphasizing the importance of trusting in God and living out his principles, even in challenging times. Here is the key scripture. They want us to focus on the first five verses. This is what the Lord says. Go down to the palace of the king of Judah and proclaim this message there. Hear the word of the Lord 
to you, King of Judah, you who sit on David's throne, you, your officials and your people who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. Remember that quote they gave us from Billy Graham in the multimedia presentation? They now add it here. God's mercy and grace give me hope for myself and for our world. Introduction. Here's the introduction. All right. Now, how do I do that part? I can do that little part right there as the introduction, or I could rework this. But here, that, that, that's kind of like a summary. Do I give that summary before I give my official introduction, or does that kind of serve as my introduction? But after they give me that, then they say, they, they, I mean, this is really a manuscript. They say this, all right? All right, here we go. Well, someone said that they and their sister created a super fast resume like that. It takes no time. All right, well, then... You and your sister need to create a sermon on Jeremiah 22, and I need it in, well, two to three hours. I mean, come on. You, uh, hurry up. Get to it. Don't, don't, be, don't be chatting. Get to it. Just tell me what you come up with. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. All right. I'm joking a little bit. All right, here we go. You ready? Introduction. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this like if I was preaching it. Good morning, church family. Today, we're diving into Jeremiah chapter 22. We'll explore God's stern warning to the kings of Judah, his judgment on the wicked, and his promise of restoration. Jeremiah 22 is a heavy passage. It is filled with righteous anger and yet merciful hope. I threw in the yet. As we navigate these themes, let's remember the words of the late Billy Graham. Now, I put I threw in the words late. They didn't. All right. You see, I, I could just immediately start adapting this without even without even doing any practice. I could just read this. I could just do this like it was mine. I could just start making it mine without I wouldn't even need any practice. All right. Just to show you that anyone who's preached for a long time or does lots of broadcasting, you could just look at this and you could you could just read it and start adding additional words and making it your own in real time. You wouldn't even need any prep. Remember, let's remember the words of the late Billy Graham. He said this, God's mercy and grace gives me hope for myself and for our world. So as we see these stern words and we we see these stern warnings, let us not forget the mercy and grace of God. You guys, I added all of that. I just added all of that. I added all of that. All right. Now it says, read Jeremiah chapter 22 for selections from the whole chapter. All right. So then at this point, I could read parts of Jeremiah 22. I guess we could read it all, but it's 30 verses. So if you were to read all 30, a lot of, a lot of pastors will do that. I think it's a bad idea. You sit there and try to read all 30 verses. I, I don't know. I just, I don't like that because I don't know. I don't know. Some people love it. Some people don't. I can't necessarily tell you why. It just seems like that takes a lot of time to sit there and read all 30 verses and then back up and then say, now let's go through it. People just now heard the whole thing. I, I kind of like to try to take them 
a little bit like uh, like you would do a story from the beginning of it and just walk through it. And I try to act like I don't know what's coming. I try to ask people. Always, I always hate when people in the congregation will be like, it's in the next verse. And I'm like, I'm not at the next verse. Follow along. Play along. We don't know that. Stop reading ahead. Stay with me. And I'm going to act like we don't know because if the text hasn't given us the answer, people never catch on to what I'm doing. It's, it drives me crazy. You would think after all of these years, people would get it. I'm like, just wait. We're in verse two. Verse three may give us the answer, but I'm going to struggle with the question in verse two, and then we'll get to verse three. All right. But all right. So here we go. Then it says, let us bow our heads. So they give us a prayer. Now, after the prayer, they say, now let's unpack this powerful passage together. Shall we? And the, so I, I don't know how I would do this. I don't know how I'd do this. The first thing they have is God's word. Remember, we've already kind of seen the outline. So I, I don't know at this point, I would tell everyone, here's how we're going to outline the chapter. We're going to outline the chapter this morning by looking at God's warning, God's judgment, and God's promise. Okay, that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's start with God's warning. So if I was modifying this, this is probably what I would do. I'm like, okay, this is how we're going to outline the chapter. Everyone write this down. God's warning. God's judgment and God's promise or God's mercy. All right, so how are we going to outline the chapter this morning? I would have everyone repeat it. All right, one more time. How are we going to outline this chapter? I'd have everyone repeat it. Okay, are you ready? In the opening verse of Jeremiah chapter 22, we see God giving a stern, a stern warning to the kings of Judah. This warning is for the king, but it's also for the officials and the people who come through the palace gates. God is speaking to the entire nation from the highest to the lowest, emphasizing the collective responsibility they all share. God's warning is clear and straightforward. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. All right. God is definitely giving a warning. He's definitely giving them a warning. He's definitely telling them what their shared responsibility is. Okay. All right. Then they say this. The message is a call to justice, fairness, and righteousness. God is reminding the king and his people of their duty to protect the vulnerable, the oppressed, and the innocent. This is a timeless message that resonates with us today, as we are too called to stand up against injustice to protect the weak and uphold the rights of the marginal marginalized. Now, of course, what we would say is, now, they're not going to look at it from a theological perspective. Of course, we would come along, or in my church, I would come along and go, wait a minute, guys, let's just remind ourselves, this is law, 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 law. And no matter how many times Israel has been told to do this in the past, no matter how many times they're going to be told to do it in the present, and no matter how many times they're going to be told to do it in the future, they're going to fail, 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 fail. And no matter how many times the church has been told to do this in the past, no matter how many times the church has been told to do this in the present, no matter how many times the church is told to do this in the future, we're going to constantly fail. That There's no excuse for that failure. We are responsible, but it means our only hope is in what Christ did because Christ did fulfill all of this, but we are called to pursue this. Like, yeah, I would, I would really emphasize that because I'm trying to emphasize the, the, the distinction between between law and gospel. All right, but they go on to say this. So the message is a call 
to justice, fairness, and righteousness. The warning also underscores the importance of leadership and shaping the moral and spiritual direction of a nation. So it, 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 it underscores the importance of leadership and shaping the moral and spiritual direction of a nation. The king, as the leader, is held to a high standard. He's expected to lead by example, to uphold justice, and assure that his people are treated fairly. This is a sobering reminder of all leaders, whether in the church, in the community, or in the nation. Leadership is a sacred trust, a responsibility that should not be taken lightly. All right, so they want to focus on that this warning is given directly to the king. Therefore, it shows you the importance of leadership. Okay. Furthermore, God's warning reveals his heart for the oppressed and the marginalized. His concern for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow shows his compassion for those who are often overlooked and neglected by society. This is a powerful reminder for us to see people through God's eyes, to value every person, and to treat everyone with dignity and respect. All right. I think... I think, I think, I mean, it's staying somewhat true to the text. The warning is given to the king. What do we derive from that? It is showing concern for these people. What do we do that? Does it show God's concern for these people? Now we could ask some tough philosophical questions, but I think it's, I think it's being relatively, I think it's being relatively consistent with the text. However, God's warning is not just a call to action but also a warning of consequences. If the king and his people fail to heed God's command, they will face judgment. This is also a sobering reminder of the seriousness of sin and the reality of God's righteous anger. It is also a call to repentance, to turn away from our sins and to seek God's forgiveness. God's warning to the kings of Judah is a powerful message that speaks to us today. It challenges us to live out our faith in a practical, practical way, to stand up for justice, to protect the vulnerable, and to lead with integrity. It also reminds us the consequences of sin and the need for repentance. I definitely would say this law should condemn us, make us. Now, I said we should seek Christ and forgiveness and, you know, rest in his obedience to this. But we should be bothered by our failure, not only Israel's failure, but Christians' failure and the church's failure sometimes to care about these issues. In many cases, if you talk about some of these issues in the modern church, you'll be considered woke and a liberal. So, I mean, there's a lot you could do with this, and I think that they get you kind of going somewhat in the right direction. But does everyone remember the second point of our outline? That's me adding this. It is what? Remember the first thing we have? We have God's warning. The second thing, we have God's judgment. I would just keep repeating the outline because I want the people to be able to leave with the outline. In Jeremiah 22... We also see God's judgment as a theme. This judgment is not arbitrary or capricious. It's a direct response to the actions of the wicked. The kings of Judah, who were supposed to be God's representatives on earth, had strayed from the path of righteousness. They had failed to do what is just and right. Instead, they oppressed the weak, exploited the vulnerable, and shed innocent blood. God's judgment as depicted in this passage, is a reflection of his divine justice. 
He cannot and will not ignore sin, especially when it is committed by those who are supposed to be his representatives. The king of Judah had a responsibility to uphold God's law and to protect his people, but they failed in their duty. Their actions were a direct affront to God's holiness and righteousness, and they had to face the consequences. The concept of divine judgment can be a difficult one. It can be hard to reconcile the image of a loving God with the image of a God who brings judgment. But it's important to remember, God's judgment is always just. He does not delight in the punishment of the wicked. Rather, he desires that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. Of course, there's a lot we could talk about there, but okay. His judgment is a necessary response to sin, and it serves as a warning to others. The judgment of the wicked also underscores the seriousness of sin. Sin is not a trivial matter. It is a rebellion against God and a rejection of his ways. It disrupts the divine order and brings harm to others. As respected theologian R.C. Sproul once said, sin is cosmic treason. It is a rebellion against the perfectly pure sovereign. I mean, they throw in a quote from R.C. Sproul. I mean, we're, we're, we're definitely on the right direction here, right? Furthermore, God's judgment on the wicked serves to vindicate the righteous. It shows that God sees the suffering of the oppressed and that he will not let their oppressors go unpunished. It is a reassurance that God is in control and that he will ultimately bring about justice. In the end, God's judgment on the wicked is a manifestation of his holiness, his justice, and his sovereignty. It is a sobering reminder of the consequences of sin and a call to repentance. As we reflect on the aspect of God's character, let us be merciful of our, let us be mindful of our own actions and attitudes. Let us strive to live in a manner that is pleasing to God, knowing that he is a just and righteous God. Now, a lot of that is really good. They don't really give us where this plays out in Jeremiah 22. All right. Uh, I, I think we can see that. So then you would have to bring in some of the scriptures here, right? Because if you go to verse six, for thus saith the Lord unto the king's house of Judah, thou art Gilead unto me and the head of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make thee a wilderness and cities which are not inhabited. I will prepare destroyers against thee, every one with his weapons, and they shall cut down the choice cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations shall pass by the cities. They shall say every man to his neighbor, wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this great city? Then they shall answer because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. Weep ye not for the dead, neither bemoan him, but weep sore for him that goeth away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. For thus saith the Lord, touching Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, which resigned instead of Josiah, his father, which went forth out of this place, he shall not return thither any more, but he shall die in this place, whether they shall have led him captive and shall see this land no more. So clearly you now, everything he said there about God's judgment, you literally have scripture here and you could say, what do we learn from? So like I, I would read the passage and say, what can we learn from God's judgment? Well, we, we can see that God's judgment is a reflection of his divine justice. We, we can see that God's judgment is always just. We can see that it serves to vindicate the righteous. And we can see that it's a manifestation of his holiness, his justice, and his sovereignty. 
I would just have to figure out how many of those scriptures in Jeremiah 22 I would want to read. Not, not too bad. But we've got, number one, we've got the warning. Number two, we see the horrible reality of God's judgment. So what do we do today? Do we have any hope? Well, do we have some hope of mercy or promise? In the midst of the stern warning, God promises restoration. It shines like a beacon of hope. This promise is for all who turn from their wicked ways and seek God's face. The promise of restoration is a reoccurring theme throughout the Bible, and it is particularly poignant in Jeremiah chapter 22. Poignant, poignant, if I can say the word correctly, in Jeremiah chapter 22. Here we go. In verse 4, God says, For if you are careful to carry out these commands, then then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gate of this palace, riding in chariots on horses, accompanied by their officials and their people. This is a promise of restoration, of a return to the glory days when the king of Judah were faithful to God and his promises. Huh. All right, so they look at verse 4. Jeremiah 22. That's kind of... Now, they kind of went in at first... Okay, but I, I can see from, from an outline perspective why you would put the restoration last, even though it's mentioned in 4. Okay, but it says, For if you do this thing, indeed, then shall there, in, then shall, shall there enter in by the gates of this house king sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, he and his servants and his people. This is a promise that something good could come about. Let's see how they deal with this restoration. So this is a promise of restoration of a return to the glory days when the kings of Judah were faithful to God's commands. It is a promise of prosperity, peace, and righteousness. But the kings must be careful to carry out these commands. They must do what is just and right, rescue the oppressed, do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and shed no innocent blood. If they do these things, they will experience God's restoration. Now, here's the problem. They're going to base the restoration on what they do or don't do. Their restoration has never been based on what they do or don't do because they can never do what they were supposed to do. Neither can any of us. So there may have been, hey, if you'll do this, you'll get this but they're never going to do it. Therefore, God is going to have to step in and do something for them. And that's where the new covenant comes in, in Jeremiah 31. All right. It says, uh, the promise of restoration is not just for the kings of Judah, but for us as as, as well. When we turn from our wicked ways and seek God's face, his promise to restore us. He promises to bring us back to the place of spiritual prosperity, peace, and righteousness. His pro- he promises to heal our land and our hearts. Like, like the kings of Judah, our restoration begins with God's mercy. It is fueled by God's mercy and continues through God's mercy. As we align ourselves with the merciful, just, and self-sacrificial heart of God, We experience restoration. Now, see, the only problem is, hey, how can you be restored spiritually? You got to do this, 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 do this. No, I am restored by faith alone. I am completely spiritually restored in my position, 
in my practice, I should seek to do what God has called me to do. But that will not impact my spiritual restoration, which is by faith alone. That may have practical impacts. It may have practical benefits. We can't deny that. It says, in other words, his grace leads us to restoration as well as living out his commands. No, grace leads me to restoration. It does not necessarily lead me to follow out his commands because I will never follow them out. This is almost going with an infused righteousness. No, I am restored by an imputed righteousness, not an infused one. It says, as transformed people, we do what is just and right. No, as transformed people, we don't do what is just and right. As transformed people, we are transformed in Christ. In practice, we still fail to do what is just and right. I, 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 once again, I, so this is where I'm going to disagree with them theologically. Um, it says, as re- transformed people, we do what is just and right. We rescue the oppressed. We do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and we do not shed innocent blood. And we do these things, uh, as we do these things, we too experience God's restoration. So, We're transformed, we do all the right things, and as we do all the right things, then we are restored. But wouldn't the restoration precede the doing? The the whole thing seems out of order here. I am restored spiritually. I'm transformed positionally. I will never do these things anywhere close to correctly, because even if I was to do some of these things externally, I may not be doing them internally, therefore I'd still be in violation of God's law. Then they have this. God's promise of restoration is a beacon of hope in a world filled with sin and despair. Now, I do believe God's promise of restoration is a beacon of hope in a world filled with sin and despair. But that promise of restoration is one not based on what I do, but what Christ has done. It's a promise that no matter how far we've strayed, no matter how deep our sin, God is ready and willing and eager to restore us to himself. It's a promise of God's love and mercy. It's a promise that God's love and mercy are greater than our sin and that his grace is sufficient for us. I do believe all of that. The only problem is you circumvented that whole concept by saying it's based off what we do. No, it's all based off God's mercy and grace. And then here's the conclusion of the sermon. As we wrap up today, let's remember the lessons of Jeremiah chapter 22. God's call to justice, his warnings against wickedness, and his promises of restoration. Let's strive to live justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Now receive this benediction. May God of justice guide your steps. May his mercy soften your hearts and his promise of restoration fill you with hope. Go forth in the peace and power of our Lord. Then there's a closing prayer. And then it says, go in peace, church. Live out the lessons we've learned today. And let's meet again next week, ready to dive into more of God's word. God bless you all. There is the six page manuscript of Jeremiah chapter 22. Now, obviously, yeah, even a prayer. They even give in the prayer. They even give the benediction. They give everything. Now, again, they put that all together in just a little bit of time. I, I think AI had to be used. Is my my now? If, if anyone who's used AI for anything, I want you to create a Jeremiah twenty two sermon using AI and see if it comes anything close to this. If it does, that would be crazy. 
If not, then you can see why maybe having a an organization that's specifically dedicated to sermon preparation and sermon research may be a little bit better than just a free-for-all with AI. But obviously, the better you get with AI, the better it would become. But from the most part, it's relatively good. There's a lot of good in it. The Obviously, there's a complete obliteration of the proper distinction between law and gospel, but that's in every church in America. I mean, they... You, you, they obliterate the proper distinction between law and gospel with or without sermon research. Because it's that the theological presupposition in the American church is to obliterate that distinction. That's why we've been talking about it so much. But if I brought in the proper distinction there, I could demonstrate, hey, God's giving a serious warning here. Yes, we see once again, God's uh, judgment here. We see his judgment and it is severe and it is scary and it is frightening and we should all be broken by it. Why? Because we will always fall short, but there's a hope of restoration. The only problem is the hope of restoration in Jeremiah 22 is very depressing because it's a restoration based off what you do and we will never be restored if it's based off what we do. The restoration we get is in Christ Jesus who did all of these things for us. He obeyed all of this for us. But I think we can all agree that in a practical way, in our practical life, we know when we're pursuing sin and going against God's law, things can become painful, complicated, hurtful, people get hurt, and it's damaging and destructive. We all know that. Now, we know that if we will turn from that, then in a sense, we are restored from a lot of that pain and a lot of that if we will pursue what is right. We know that there's benefits in pursuing what is right. There is truth to that even at a practical level. Now, we're never going to do it perfectly though, right? Now, just because we don't do it perfectly doesn't mean we shouldn't try at all. It means our hope is in the finished work of Christ. There is sermon spark. In less than three hours, I get a full multimedia presentation. I get graphics to use for social media. And I get a six-page sermon manuscript. Oh, come on now. Come on now. I think we're fooling ourselves. We don't think this is the future of sermon prep. Now, we got to think this through. Okay, we got to be honest here. A lot of people have been using this kind of sermon prep for a long time. For some churches, it was called the MacArthur Commentaries. They just preached John MacArthur's Commentaries. I've listened to plenty of sermons. Go pull up John MacArthur's Commentary and go, well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. There's their outline. Or it's Warren W. Worsby, or it's J. Vernon McGee, or whomever it may be. Because pastors forever have gone to resources, look at those resources, and shape and build based off those resources. They may make it their own. Not saying they don't make it their own. Someone could take this and make it their own. When I preach Jeremiah 2022, when I preach Jeremiah chapter 22, listen it's going to be hard not to remember some of that. 
It's going to be hard not to. So if you look at it just as that, they basically sent me a commentary. They basically sent me, you know, now they add, of course, the prayers and everything else. They do it all for you. But if you use this kind of like a commentary or would it, would it be, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to look at it from, on one hand, there's an immediate reaction. No, how dare they? But I'm just saying, I've seen how pastors do sermon prep. You, you grab commentaries. You look online. You start looking for structure, outline. You start looking, you're gathering information from all of these sources, but you're spending all the hours doing it. Well, now you can possibly have a lot of it done for you in less than three hours. You tell me what you think. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. What you just heard was the first, and this was the free one. This one I didn't even pay for. I just We just looked at the free sermon that I received from Sermon Spark. You can go to spark.sermoncentral.com. You can get started for free. You can sign up. You can get one sermon for free. And I'm telling you, call your pastor today and say, hey, what are you preaching on Sunday? They tell you, sign up for Sermon Spark, request your sermon. You get one for free. You don't even have to add a debit card. Then when you get it, keep it, compare it to what your pastor preaches on Sunday. And just be honest with yourself. What, what was the difference? Which one was better? raises so many questions. All right. I'm going to take a break because I've been broadcasting now for a long time. So I'm going to take a break, try to find some food. Uh, but you can email me in the meantime, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We will try to get to Alex Jones and eschatology before the rest of the day. We will. We try to get to law and gospel. I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty tired. I'm, I'm, I need a little bit of a break. But if we can't, we know we're going to do at least one more today. We know. We Come on. We know we're going to do at least one more, possibly two more. We will see. But email me in the meantime. Give me your thoughts about all of this, about these sermon research, uh, uh, sermon research assistant subscription services that write your sermons for you, that do it all for you. I think there's going to be very differing opinions between those behind the pulpit and those sitting in the pew. I really do. I really do, really do, really do. I think there's going to be, but I want the debate to happen. I want to, I want to spark the debate. All right. Someone says this could be beneficial for preachers and their congregation. Yeah, it just depends on what they do with it. If you take it and truly make it your own, you truly cry. And you may, and you, and, and the parts that you don't make your own, you let the people know where you got it from. Because I don't think the people in the pew really care where you got it from. But I don't know. Where, 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 are we standing on the doorway of what the church is going to look like? In 2024 and 2025. Now, this stuff has already been going on. It's just been private and low-key, and people try to keep it a little secret. But I'm telling you, there's, there's more companies out there doing this than you probably even realize, meaning that there's a lot of pastors using it that you don't even realize. 
All right. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for joining along in this little kind of social experiment. We'll see if we're going to do a little bit more with this because I think it's, I find it somewhat fascinating. And we got a little bit of Jeremiah 22 in this today. And you got all of that for no additional charge. Thanks for listening. God bless.